Good morning again, Hayton's Creek. How's everybody doing today? You guys good? Awesome. All right, that was a pretty good response, y'all. Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, well, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Travis, the pastor here, and it is good to be with you today. And we are continuing on in our series where we've been for the last several weeks, series that we're calling The Church, The Gospel Made Visible. Um, and again, what we're doing is, is we're laying a, a solid foundation as we look ahead to the new year where we launch out on our own as a church. We are, we are a brand new church plan at that point. It's exciting times. I hope you're praying for that, excited for that. Uh, if you don't know, for the fast, last five years, we, we've been a campus of First Baptist Covington, just kind of riding along behind them and in their work and what they're doing. Uh, but this church decided uh, a while ago to say, you know what? No, we want to we wanna step out on our own. We want to we leave the nest, step out on our own, and start a new work of the gospel, a new church plant. So that's what we're working towards. That's what we're praying for. Uh, we, are, we are a campus no more. We are, we are going to be a new church. And again, I hope you're excited about that. I hope you're praying about that. And this is why we're spending uh, all of these weeks uh, looking at key passages uh, about the church. I, this is not how I typically preach. It's not uh, typically how I do things, uh, but I think it's important. We've got to lay a foundation. What we're trying to answer we're trying to establish is what kind of church we're going to be. What kind of church is the church at Haynes Creek going to be? And these, these are important things. It's important for us to, to lay the foundation, again, as we launch out on our own. And just to let you know, just to put all my cards out on the table, the church that I'm praying for, the church that I'm asking God to have is exactly what Franklin prayed for us. I want us to be a church that reaches out into this community and beyond with the hope of the gospel, with the truth that only Jesus can save and rescue and free us from our sins. That's what I want to see. I want to see the gospel through this church. I want to see us making an impact in this community, in this county, in Walton County, Rockdale County, even reaching into the Gwinnett County. I want to see us reaching all over with the hope of the gospel, bringing in people, expanding the kingdom in the name of Jesus. I want to see this be, be a church where we don't just see people come to know Jesus here, but we develop and disciple mature and deep believers. I want us to be a church that, that raises up and sends out missionaries all across the globe. I want us to be a church that, that raises up new pastors and church planters and plants more and more churches. That's the church that I'm praying for. That's the church that I'm asking, God, Lord, would you, would you do that here? And I think those things are in line with the scripture. I think this is what he wants from this church. And here's the beauty of it. He's brought us here for this moment to start this, because you can't just fast forward to that. You can't just jump ahead to those things. It starts with these faithful, obedient little baby steps that we're making. So church, this is, this is who the Lord has brought together as his core team, as his launch team to start the church at Haynes Creek. So I want you to be praying. I want you to be looking at this opportunity, not only just as a season of preparation for our church, but, but for us as individual believers. I want you to be praying and thinking, Lord, Lord, who do you want me to bring into this? Who do you want me to invite into this work? Who do you want me to reach out with the gospel? Who, who in my life doesn't know you that I can share the gospel with even this week and invite into this? So with that, as we look ahead to our launch, we shared this last week, our official launch date is going to be January 30th, 2022, January 30th in the new year. That is going to be the day that we, we put our stake in the ground and we say we are starting a new church on this day. We're going we're to have on that day, we're going to celebrate what the Lord has done for the last five years in this campus. We're going to celebrate that and we're going to praise God for that because he's done some incredible work. 
and he wants to continue that work. So we're going to celebrate the last five years, and we're going to look ahead to the next 50 years, what the Lord wants to do through the church at Haynes Creek in Oxford and beyond. So I hope you're praying for that. I hope you're excited for that day. And I'll let you know last week that we're going to start a new series on that day. So on that, on that Sunday, we're not only going to launch a church, we're going to launch a new series. Uh, we're going to be done with our, our series through these key passages of the church the Sunday before that. And on Sunday, January 30th, we're going to start a new series going verse by verse through the book of Acts. New Testament book of Acts, we're going to dig deep into that. We're going to go verse by verse by verse, slowly and surely through that awesome book where we see the Lord starting the church. And as we start our church, we're going to dig into the book of Acts and see what the Lord has for us in that. So again, I hope you're praying. I hope you're excited about that. Uh, but today we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up Ephesians chapter 4. And as Franklin read for us, uh, we're going to be looking at verses 11 through 16. This is a, a, a key passage about the church. So Ephesians 4, if you don't have your Bible, uh, we have Bibles in the back. Feel free to grab one of those. If you don't own a Bible, consider that our gift to you. I'd love for you to take that home with you. Uh, but we will also, as always, have the, the verses on the screens behind me. So Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. And what we see in this passage is I think it gives us a clear picture of what a healthy church is supposed to look like. So you have these, you know, conversations, you know, healthy church, we want to be a healthy, godly, biblical church. Well, what does that mean? Everybody's got their own definition. You can define that a hundred different ways. Uh, I hope you know this about me already in six weeks, but, but I like to go to the Word of God to figure out what that says first before we kind of figure out on our own. Let, let's see what Jesus has to say first, and then we'll go from there. And thankfully, he tells us, here's what a healthy biblical church is supposed to look like. And one of those places is in Ephesians 4. And it's very similar to what we saw last week in Romans chapter 12. So the first 11 chapters of Romans, we said, you know, that's Paul laying down the foundation, laying down the theological truths that we need to know all about Jesus, all about the gospel. And then in chapter 12, he transitions from the theological to the practical. He says, okay, based on who Jesus is and what he's done, here's how we're supposed to live. It's very similar in the book of Ephesians. The first three chapters, Paul is laying a theological foundation. He's saying, here's who Jesus is. Here's what Jesus has done for you. And then in chapter four, he transitions to the practical. He starts out in verse one saying that, that we are to live a life worthy of the calling that he's given us, worthy of this life as a Christian. If you want to live for Jesus, here's what that looks like. And he talks about how we have this unity of faith. Christians all across the globe are unified under the banner of Jesus Christ. And then he gets into the specific details of what he wants to talk about, and he starts with the church. He starts with the church. And I hope you're seeing in these passages a, a similar theme in Scripture, that the church is a key part of how we live as a Christian, how we interact with the church, our involvement in the church, what it looks like to be a part of a church is a key component of our spiritual growth, of us living for Jesus. It's a big deal. So that's where we have in Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to read it again for us, and let's, let's spend our time breaking this down and seeing what the Lord has for us. It starts out in verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of faith and of knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, 
We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Okay, so there's, there's three things that we see in this passage. In this passage, we see that, that a healthy church involves three components. A healthy church is one that, that works together, matures together, and builds together. Healthy church is one that, that works together, matures together, and builds together. So that, that's, that's where we're going for the note takers in the room. There's your outline. Those are the three points that we're working at today. All right, so first up, first thing we see here is we are to work together. A healthy church works together. Look again at verses 11 and 12. He says that, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. So right there, I just want to pause. He, we're not going to spend a ton of time on this, but, but what that is saying is God gives to the church spiritual leaders. So we have the apostles. That's your New Testament apostles and, and Paul and James, guys like that. That's your apostles. Then we have the prophets. And Paul says in Ephesians 2.20 that, that the Lord laid the foundation of the church through the work of the prophets and the apostles. And then we have evangelists, these guys going around preaching the gospel all over the place. Then we have the shepherds, and that word for shepherds is what we can relate to in our day as, as pastors and elders. These are the leaders of the local church. And like I said, we're not going to spend a lot of time because next week, next week and the next two weeks after this, we're going to talk all about church leadership. So next week, we're going to dig into elders. Who are elders? What do elders do? What does the Bible have to say about elders? Why should the church have elders? We're going to talk all about that next week. And then the week after that, we're going to talk about deacons. Who are deacons? What do deacons do? Why are we supposed to have deacons? We're going to dig into all of those things. So really what I want you to catch from verse 11 is the Lord gives to the church spiritual leaders. That when they're, when they're functioning in the biblical way that they're intended, it is a really healthy and beautiful and good thing for the church. Okay, so that's verse 11. So we're going to talk more about that next week. So I hope you're here next week and the week after. All right, verse 12. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So God gives to the church these spiritual leaders. And what are the spiritual leaders supposed to do? They are to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Now, what does that mean? What, what, is, what is he talking about here? That word for equip in your New Testament, that, that word for equip means to uh, be prepared for a specific purpose. Be equipped and prepared to do something, to go and do something. So spiritual leaders are to prepare and equip the saints. That's, that's all of us, all believers. That's who he's talking about. All the believers in the church, we're to be equipped for what? We're to be prepared for what? The work of ministry. The work of ministry. Now, that can be, you know, those are broad words that mean a whole bunch of different things. But here, what Paul is talking about is we are equipped and called, every single one of us, all believers, all the saints, we are called and equipped to do the work of the church, to do what the Lord has called us to, the mission of the church. And again, this is what we've been talking about. You're probably like, man, he says this all the time. I'm six weeks in. I'm already tired of you talking about the mission, Travis. I get it. Okay, I'm going to say it again. And I'm going to say it over and over and over again. What are we called to do? We're called to love God, love people, make disciples. That's the work of ministry. That's the work of the church. That's what all of us are called to do. Every single one of us are called to do this, to take part in the ministry of the church. So if you're a believer in here, you follow Jesus, put your faith in Jesus, every single one of us is called to this work. Not just the elders, 
not just the pastors, not just people that you think, oh, well, they, they have their lives together. They got their act together. They know a lot about Jesus. They read their Bible a lot. They know a lot of things. They're supposed to do this. Not me. I don't know enough. No, no, no. All of us, every single one of us, one of the marks of a healthy church is that we all work together. All believers working together in ministry. But see, too often, too often, and it's easy to do this. It's easy to get to this point. Churches of all different sizes get to this point. You just get complacent. You just get used to coming in, doing your thing, and then going home. We, we can get, it can get real easy to just go, oh, well, you know what? Other people are doing that. Other people are doing that. Oh, they're taking care of that. That, you know, I don't, I don't have to worry about that. Oh, the pastor, you know, he gets, he, he's supposed to do this. Oh, the elders, that's why we have elders. They're supposed to do this. I'm just supposed to come in, enjoy my coffee, enjoy the service, enjoy the worship, enjoy the preaching, and then go about my day. And if I don't enjoy those things, well, then I'm going to go find another place where I can enjoy those things. And I'm just going to come in, I'm going to sit, I'm going to get comfortable. It's easy to have that mindset. It's easy to have that mindset. It's easy to get complacent. You know, they in ministry world, when you, you, know, you start pastoring, you can read a billion books about this kind of stuff. They talk about how the danger of the 80-20 rule, where 20% of the people are doing 80% of the, the work. Now, I've seen that in churches of all different sizes, all different sizes, that that rule can happen. But I'm, I'm telling you, and I want you to hear this as clearly as I can, that's not how it's supposed to go. That is not how things are supposed to be. This is what we talked about last week with serving. All of us have a part to play. All of us have been equipped, gifted, and called by God and brought into this body to do the work of ministry. And look, I'm just telling y'all, in order to plant a church, it's got to, all of us have to do this. We don't have the space and the room and the resources and the people to get complacent. It, if we're going to do this thing, if we're going to plant this church the way the Lord wants, the way the Lord has called us to, it's going to require all of us working together. In my last church, I used to say this a lot, that, you know, hey, we need everybody to pull off services. And it was a church, when I left, we were running like six, 700 people. So when I said that, you know, I didn't, you know, it's not necessarily fully 100% true. I mean, I, we could get by without everybody doing something. But I'm telling you, when I say this now, that we need all of you, I'm, we need all of you, all right? We need all of you. And if we're not going to do this together, I'm just telling you, this thing is not going to work out, all right? And if we're not willing to do it, we might as well just stop now. I'm just, I'm trying to be real. I'm just saying that I was like, we all have to work together. This is what the church is supposed to do. We are all supposed to come together to do the work of ministry. And if we're going to plant this church and we're going to build it the way the Lord wants, it's going to take all of us. It's going to take every single one of us. So I'm not joking. and I'm not being facetious. I'm not lying when I say, we need you. We really, truly need you. A healthy church is one where we all work together. So church, let's be that church. Let's be a church that works together. So the first thing of a healthy church is we are to work together. The second thing is we are to mature together. We are to mature together. Let's look again at verses 13 through 14. Verse 13, it says, We are to do the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. 
So not only are we supposed to work together, but we are also, as we work, as we serve, we are to grow and mature as disciples of Christ. We are to grow and mature as disciples of Christ. And and Paul gives, you know, there's three aspects here of what maturity looks like. What's the picture of maturity that he gives? Well, he says that we're to have unity of faith and knowledge. We're we're to be, uh, we're to get to mature manhood, meaning a full-grown adult, that's what he's talking about there. And we're to have the measure of the fullness of Christ. So what does he mean by this? What what is he talking about here? Well, the first one he says is, is unity of faith and knowledge. And this is what he's talking about. We, we, as we grow as Christians, we are to deepen our faith and our knowledge of Jesus Christ. As we live our lives, as we grow as Christians, we're, we're to know more and more about Jesus. We're to deepen our faith and our trust in him. And Paul says that we're, we're to do this with unity. We'll do this with unity. First of all, meaning that, that we're unified with God's word. Right? This is what we're talking about. Like everything we say and do, it is based on Jesus and his word. So we are unified with God's word. It's not like, oh, I want to be, you know, I want to do this as a follower of Jesus, and we're just making up our own stuff. No, we're given the playbook. We're we're told what to do. We're given clear commands in Scripture. We're unified under God's word. That is our ultimate authority. But then also, we're we're unified with one another. And this is a lot of what Paul is talking about here in in this passage. We, We don't grow in isolation. We don't grow in isolation. And look, it's easy as American Westerners that we are, it is easy to just be isolated on our own as individuals. And you know what? I can, I can read the Bible for myself. I can understand the Bible for myself. And if not, I can, there's books that I can buy. Maybe I'll ask somebody a question. Probably not, though, because I'm just going to worry about me. But that's not what Paul's talking about here. No, he's saying that we're to grow in unity with one another. Spiritual growth is a community effort. It's not just about me. It's about every single one of us growing together. So we don't grow in isolation. We are to grow in community. And then he says that, that we're to attain mature manhood. And again, what that means is, is, is we're to become a full-grown adult. That's what he's talking about here. So he says uh, our spiritual growth should mirror our growth as people, you know. So uh, we all start out as babies, but we don't stay babies. We, we become full-grown adults, at least in physical appearance, maybe not in, in maturity levels. But that's, that's the goal, right? That's what we're at least we're, we're hoping and working towards, that we would be full-grown, mature functioning adults out in the world, right? Like that's what we're supposed to do. But, but see, too often, our spiritual lives, we, we, don't, we don't grow at the same rate. Too often, we allow ourselves to stay spiritual infants when we should be full-grown adults. The author of Hebrews talks about this, says in Hebrews 5, starting verse 12, it says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, Instead, what he's saying here, instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You should be teaching people, but instead, you haven't gotten past the basics. That's what, that's what the author is talking to his audience here. And he's, he's continues, he says, you need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So he's, he, again, he's given this picture of how we grow as, as people. 
and so we have our, our little baby back there. Oh, actually, she's not back there. She's next door. But uh, our baby, she's, um, I, Kendra asked me the other day how old she is, and I have to do like the math. She's born in February 11 minus 2. Oh, she's nine months. Okay, so I, I struggle with math. Y'all can pray for me. But she's around nine, 10 months old. She'll be 10 months December 1st. Um, but she is at this point where she wants nothing to do with baby food. She's like, nope, don't give me a bottle. Don't give me that baby food. I want the real people food. I want to be eating what everybody else is eating. You try to give her the baby stuff, and she will slap it away. Like, she really does. And she's like, nope, don't want that. Don't feed me that. Get that out of my face. Give me the real stuff. Okay, like that's, that's the attitude we're supposed to have with our spiritual growth. No, I don't, I don't want the basic principles anymore. I want to dig deep. Amen. Let's get deep. Amen. I want to dig deep into God's word, and I want to grow. I want to mature. Amen. I don't want the baby food anymore. We're not going to be satisfied with the baby food anymore. We're going to dig deep into God's word. Amen. And we're all doing this together. Again, this is, there's unity in this. And he says, ultimately, our goal, our measure, our standard, that's what that word means, our standard is the fullness of Christ. As followers of Jesus, we are to grow and mature with Christ as our standard. Amen. So we, we see Jesus and we say, as, as I live, as I grow as, an, as a believer, I want my life to look more and more like Jesus. What I say and what I do needs to look more and more like Jesus. That's spiritual maturity. That's growing as a believer. And Paul contrasts this maturity with, with a child, with an immature disciple. And he says immature disciples, it's like being tossed to and fro from the waves. I mean, you ever been in the ocean when it's really rough and you're just being literally tossed to and fro? That's what Paul's talking about here. And when we're immature, we just get tossed to and fro by the waves of culture, of this world, of sin, false teachers, and if we're not growing as a mature disciple, if we stay as a spiritual infant, as a spiritual child, we're going to be led astray. We're going to be led astray. I don't know if you've ever been lied to, led astray before, but it's not fun, right? That's not a fun, enjoying experience. Uh, a couple years ago, this is probably more than a couple years ago, our kids were, uh, I think Zayden was two and Livy was about one and a half. Uh, we decided to drive out to Texas. That's where Kendra's from. That's where her family lives. So we're going to drive out uh, because taking kids that young on a plane just seemed like a nightmare for us. But driving was bad too. So we're like, all right, I think, you know, plus it's really expensive. So we're like, okay, we're going to drive. And we started talking to friends who, uh, you know, would make these long trips. And a, a close buddy of mine, he's the worship pastor at the last church I was at. Uh, he was like, oh man, the, the best thing to do is drive through the night. Drive through the night, your kids fall asleep in their car seat, you drive for several hours just unbothered, they're asleep and they wake up, and then you only got a couple more hours to go. You drive through the night, that's the way to do it. I'm like, I've never done that before. Okay, well, maybe we can do that. So we started asking around, like, okay, can, do we need to, uh, is this, you know, does this really work? Is this, and we had other friends tell us, yeah, yeah, drive through the night. It's a great thing. You can even look online. There's, there's a billion blog posts of parents saying, here's how you drive through the night with little kids. But what they don't tell you, what I was not told, what I was led astray by was what they, tell, what they don't tell you about kids. They don't tell you this in any book. There always needs to be a page or an opening sentence that says, this is what worked for my kid, and it's not going to work for your kid. So just FYI, heads up, whatever I do with my kid, not going to work for yours. We didn't know that. 
led astray. So we were like, okay, we're going to drive through the night. So we set out from Atlanta, like right after dinner, like around six or something like that. We're driving out. We make it, you know, a couple hours in. We're like, okay, we're going to stop. It's like eight, eight thirty. We're going to stop. We're going to get the kids ready for bed, put their pajamas on. People told us like, oh, put towels up in the windows and they'll like block the sun and they'll sleep really good. So we did all that. I filled up the car with gas and I was the one driving. I got this big cup of coffee down it. I was ready to go. We were going to drive for hours, no stopping. Our kids were going to sleep. It would be awesome. That's not how it played out, though. So we started driving, and about 10, 1030, they're still wide awake. Just as happy as can be, we're like, no, it's night-night time. And they're like, no, it's not. We're in the car. Not my bed. I'm not sleeping. Uh, so they're wide awake. Finally, at 11, Zayden starts to fall asleep. And then Livy, she's got my bad sleep habits, so y'all pray for her. Uh, she doesn't sleep that great. So she finally falls asleep around 11. And then we're, we're driving. We're making progress. And the way we go to Texas is Interstate 20. I don't know if you've ever driven on Interstate 20. Most of the time, there's nothing. There's nothing out there. You'll hit a couple big cities in, in Mississippi and Alabama, Louisiana, but you're driving through like nothing for the most part. So we're driving, middle of nowhere. It's in between Alabama and Mississippi, somewhere around then. It's like 12.30 a.m. Livy wakes up, wakes up. And again, she's like one and a half at the time. We look back and like, you're supposed to be sleeping. She goes, all done sleeping. All done, night-night. Like, no, 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 you don't, you don't understand. You're supposed to be asleep right now. It's the middle of the night. Go back to bed. All done. All done sleeping is what she kept saying. We're like, oh no, this is bad. Okay, we're just going to keep going. At least Zayden's asleep. Maybe she'll fall back asleep. But then she starts talking. She starts waking up. Next thing you know, Zayden's awake. And they're wide awake. And y'all, it is like 1245 a.m. They're both wide awake. And Kendra are like, we've been lied to. We were lied to. This is terrible. This is not working. So again, we're out in the middle of nowhere. We're finally like Googling, where's the closest hotel? Thankfully, we're coming up on one of those bigger cities, Meridian, Mississippi. You ever been there? There's not much, but there is a hotel. There is a hotel. So we finally get there like 1 a.m. and y'all, our kids are wilding out in the lobby. They are running all over the place. They're climbing on things, jumping off stuff. They, are, they, they thought, man, I slept an hour. I'm good to go for the rest of the day, mom and dad. I am good. Man, that was, that was rough, y'all. I'm telling you, that was, don't do that, okay? Do not follow this advice. If it works for your kids, praise God. They, what they don't tell you is that if you have really light sleepers, this is a terrible way to do it. We finally got them in bed at like 2.30 a.m. And with our kids, no matter what time we put them in bed, they're up at 6.30 or 7. So again, we go to bed at 2.30. They are up, ready to go. At 6.30, they're like, what are we waiting on? Let's go. We got to finish the trip. Let's go, mom and dad. Pack up. We're going. And we're like, oh, this is terrible. This is awful. <laughs> Needless to say, we have, we have never done this again. We don't travel through the night. If your kids can do it, blessings to you, but that's not how our lives work. But I felt led astray, and I immediately, I, as soon as I got back in town, I found my buddy Jeremy, and I was like, you are a liar. You lied to me. I was really upset, um, so you can pray for that. Uh, but yeah, I, we have these moments where, where we're led astray by stuff, and if we are not growing as mature disciples, it is so easy to be led astray. It's so easy to be led astray. Look, the reality is all of us at any given moment are being discipled by something or someone. That can be Jesus. It should be Jesus if we're believers. But if we're not careful, we're going to be discipled by this world, by our culture, by our sin. The truth is we don't, we don't just magically drift into holiness. We don't, we don't drift into Christ-likeness. If we're just drifting out there, we're going to drift away from Jesus not towards him. 
If we're not careful, if, if we don't grow as believers, we're going to be discipled by the world. Look, the amount of media that we consume as an uh, average American hours and hours a day, that's discipling us, whether we realize it or not. TV, news, social media, YouTube, whatever it is that we're consuming, that is discipling us. We need to be aware of that. The, the, the allure of what this world and culture promises can disciple us and lead us astray. We can be led astray by our desire for wealth, power, approval, and acceptance from people. We can be discipled by false teachers. Look, there, there's a lot of bad theology out there. There's a lot of, a lot of sheeps and wolves clothing. And look, the internet, what it did was give everybody a platform, which is dangerous and not good for us. But everybody's got a platform. And you can say, oh, well, this, this website says it's, it's run by a pastor or a Christian. But it's not. It's run by a wolf in sheep's clothing. You got to be careful. You got to be aware of that. Let's take everything back to Scripture. Not everybody masking around as a believer is, is leading you to Jesus we got to be careful. There are so many ways we can be led astray. We can just be tossed to and fro by the waves. But we're supposed to, to not be that way. We, we, like I said, we, we can be discipled by the world, by culture, by our sin. Or we can be discipled by Jesus and his word and his church. My hope is that we do that. So how do I do this? How, how do I grow in maturity? One of the best things is, is time in the word. Spend time reading your Bibles every day, every day. And look, we are not meant, again, we are not meant to, to feast on the, the milk. We're, we're to have solid food. We're not meant to feast on, on just a verse here and there throughout the week. We're not meant to just survive off of what we do on Sundays. We're not meant to just survive with those, uh, a devotion where it just has a verse and just a bunch of paragraphs about what somebody thinks about that verse. That's not how we're meant to grow. That, that's not going to sustain us for very long. We have to dig deep into God's word. And maybe you're like, man, I don't, there's some confusing stuff in here. You're right. It, sometimes it can be. It can be. I'm not, I'm not going to be uh, trying to trick you here. I, I'll be honest with you. Yeah, sometimes there's some difficult parts of our Bible, but I'm telling you, we, we are meant to dig deep into God's word. So if you're here and, and you're, man, I don't, I don't know how to do that. I don't have a plan for that. I don't even know where to start. I love talking about this stuff. I get excited talking about this stuff, and I would love to help you put together a plan. I would love to help you come up with some steps. We'll have a game plan together. i got a ton of resources I can give you and help you through because this, this is so vital to our spiritual growth. Amen. We have to dig deep into God's Word. So if you're here and you're like, man, I, I know I need to do that. I just don't know where to start. Start by reaching out to me. I would love to help you with that. So dig deep into God's Word. Spend time in prayer. Again, not just, you know, when you wake up or before meals or before you go to bed, but throughout the day. We need to be in conversation with the Lord throughout the day. We need to be spending time in prayer with him, talking with him, gathering together in worship. What you're doing right now is growing as a disciple. This is so key. And look, I get it. Times are weird. We're in a pandemic, but I just want you to know there, there is no substitution for the, the gathering together of God's people. It is so important and vital. So if you're able to be here, you're able to tune in online with us, do that. Make it a priority. Make it a non-negotiable in your weekly schedule. Be here. And look, when we, when we come, we're going to worship and we're going to dig deep into God's word. So bring your Bible. Bring something to take notes on. Let's, let's dig deep together. Community with other believers. Accountability with other believers. If you're not in a small group, getting to know people, building relationships, having people get to know you and like truly know you, we need that. That's key to our growth. If you're here and you're like, man, I, I want that. I want a smaller group. I want to I get to know some people. Come find me. I will help you find a group for you. All right, I promise I will do that. Discipling 
others, sharing the gospel with people. These are, these are steps that we take to grow as mature believers. And look, remember, Paul's, Paul's talking about all of us together, right? It's not just about us. It's, it's corporately together. We grow as a church. What that means is I have to be as concerned about your spiritual growth as I am about my spiritual growth. All of us have to have that mindset. We're to grow and mature together as a church, as a body. So how do I do that? Well, I got I to look outside of myself. I got to pray for other people. I have to have eyes to see. You know what? I, I, haven't, I haven't seen this person for a couple of weeks. You know what? I'm not going to assume that somebody else is reaching out to them. I'm going to reach out to them. Clearly, the Lord has put that person on your heart and mind for a reason. So just take the next step. Send a text message. Hey, how's it going? Miss seeing you. Hope all is well. Praying for you. Just a little something like that lets people know that you care about them, that you're invested in their lives. Build deep Christ-honoring relationships with one another. Look, if you're looking around this room and you're like, man, I don't really know that person that well, but I want to get to them, go and get to know them. You don't need me to, to set that up for you. I'm not like the, the matchmaker here. No, just go. Get to know them. Build a friend. Make, make a new friend. Build a relationship with people. Invite them over for dinner. Invite them out to lunch. Get to know. Let's build deep relationships with one another. Let's truly get to know one another past the surface level, past the how you doing. Oh, everything's great. No, it's not. Not always. Let's get, let's get deep with one another. Let's have intentional conversations. We are in this together. So a healthy church works together, matures together, and a healthy church builds together. A healthy church builds together. Look at, look at verses 15 and 16 again. This, this is Paul's concluding thoughts here. He says, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So Paul concludes his section on the church by by talking about how the church, the body, is to be built up. And that word for, for building, Paul uses it here, and he also uses it in verse 12. It's this idea of, of a building project, of a construction project. There's, I drive by a lot of construction projects coming in. There's a bunch going on. Uh, my house, you, you see that you got you to gotta start by clearing out the land, then you, you build up, right? You, you build up and you build out from that. That's how construction projects work. And what Paul has just done is he's, uh, he's, he's likened the, the church with a construction project. He said, we, we are to build up just like you see a construction project being built up. So Paul, the idea that it carries here is something that increases in size, that grows in size. So what Paul is saying here is that a healthy church is one that's like like a new building project, like something that is built up and built out. That's what a healthy church is supposed to be. So the idea that Paul is, is doing here, the idea that he's carrying into this is the expansion of the church, the expansion of the church. And look, remember God's mission for us, right? God's mission is to go into all the world and make disciples, make new disciples in the name of Jesus through the gospel. That's what we're supposed to do. All of us as individual believers and as churches, that's what we're to be focused on. That is our calling. That's our mission. Love God, love people, make disciples of all nations. That's what we're supposed to do. And here's what we see in scripture, that God accomplishes that mission through the church. God accomplishes that mission through the church. He grows and expands his kingdom through 
the church. This is what God has been working for since the very beginning. This was always his goal. This was not plan B or plan C or, oh no, the snake came in, Adam and Eve sinned. What am I going to do now? Uh, I guess I'll start this thing called the church. No, this was always his plan. This was always what he's doing. And we see this throughout scripture time and time again. How does God accomplish his purposes? He uses his people. He uses his people. And Paul talks about this specifically to the church You flip back one chapter in Ephesians 3, he writes this starting in verse 7. This is Paul talking. He says, Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone What is the plan of the mystery? Now, when Paul uses the word mystery, we see the mystery in the New Testament, what he's often referring to is is the gospel, the, the God saving people through belief in Jesus Christ. That's a great mystery Paul talks about. When you see that, that's what he's talking about. He's referencing the gospel and God saving sinners through faith in Jesus Christ. So what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things? Verse 10, here's the key. His plan is, So that through the church, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. What's the eternal purpose of God? What has God been working towards for all of eternity is to use his people, to use the church, to make him known to everyone. That's our mission. That's what we're called to. When Paul talks about building the church, seeing the church grow and expand, this is what he's talking about. This is what he's talking about. The church is to grow and expand the kingdom of God. We are to to go out into this world claiming and gaining new ground in the name of Jesus, beating back the darkness of sin with the hope of Jesus Christ. That's what we're supposed to do. That's our calling. That's what I want to see this church do. That's what I'm praying for. This is what Paul's talking about. He's telling us here that a healthy church is one that grows. But here's the deal. We're, we're supposed to grow the right way. We're supposed to grow the right way. You, you can read a bunch of church growth, church ministry books out there, and they'll always say, well, healthy things grow. Healthy things grow. If you got a healthy church, it's going to grow. So what they say is all these growing churches that you see, oh, well, they must be healthy. They must be healthy. Language like telling you, that's not always the case. Because well, here's what we know. Unhealthy stuff grows too, right? If you got weeds in your yard, you know that unhealthy stuff grows. Cancer grows in our bodies. That's not healthy. That's not good. Unhealthy stuff can grow just like healthy things can grow. So here's the key. Here's what we want to do as a church. We want to grow in the healthy way. We want to grow the healthy way. We want to grow the way that God intends. And thankfully, again, we don't just have to make up what that looks like on our own. No, we, we can go to Scripture. And here we see some things that Paul says. Here's what healthy growth looks like. First thing he says about a healthy church, healthy churches grow in truth and in love. We grow in truth and in love. So we, we are as a church to grow in proclaiming the truth of Jesus. What that means is, is we don't water down what we see here. 
We don't change what we see in here. We don't smooth out the rough edges of the gospel because we're like, oh, that might be offensive to somebody. Yeah, it might be. Guess what? It's supposed to be. Scripture calls the gospel a stumbling block to those who are lost. Yeah, it's going to rub some people the wrong way, but that's what it's supposed to do. So we preach the truth of Jesus unapologetically. We proclaim who he is, the truths of the gospel. We grow in understanding and proclaiming the truth of Jesus. But we also grow in love. We also grow in love. See, the gospel, the gospel is offensive, but that doesn't mean you and I have to be offensive, okay? Well, we, don't, we don't need to help the gospel be more offensive because we're not loving towards those around us. I don't know if you've, you've been around people, man, they, they, people, we as people, I'll just say, we, we all can do this at times. We can say something that's true, but the way we do it just blows up all that truth, right? Like we can say something that's true, but the way we do it in rudeness or our pride or in a condescending way, it just ruins whatever you just said. And it's the same with Jesus. Like we can speak the truth of Jesus, but do so in an unloving way and thus damage the message of the gospel. That's not what we're supposed to do. Look, if our, if our good doctrine, if our knowledge of the Bible leads us to be rude and prideful and condescending and unloving, then we haven't understood what we, what we say we believe. We haven't actually understood. We don't actually have good doctrine because that's not what it leads to. So we grow in truth, but at the same time, we grow in love. We grow in love. We need both. We need truth and love. Another thing about a healthy church and their growth, we, we grow in unity. We are to grow in unity. That's what we've been talking about, that, that we're in this together. We are to do this together. As we grow, we are to become more and more unified with one another. Look at, look at verse 16. Look at verse 16. It says this in verse 16. I'm going to read it again. It says, From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now that's, um, keep that up there, Chris. Uh, that, that's a different version than what I just read. What I just read is the ESV version, which is typically what we preach out of, uh, but I'll just be real with you. Sometimes I don't love the way they translate things. Uh, I think the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible, translate this better. So I want to read this for us because I think it gives a better picture of what Paul's trying to communicate here. So the CSB version says this, from him, the whole body fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. That's us. We, we are individuals brought together in the body. We are the supporting ligaments. And again, if we're going to do this, we've got to do it together. We've got to support one another. We've got to encourage one another. We're going to spur one another on towards love and good deeds like Hebrews 10 talks about. We have to do this together. We are to be each other's supporting ligaments. We are to work properly, each doing our own part and following Jesus, each encouraging one another as we do that. We don't grow in isolation. We don't grow on our own. I'm not on an island on my own trying to figure this life out for Jesus. That would be dark and sad. Thankfully, that's not what we're supposed to do. We have one another. We have the church, and we're to grow in unity. And the last thing here about healthy churches growing is, is healthy churches grow in mission. I remember that the purpose of God is to accomplish the Great Commission, to go into all the world and make disciples. 
to preach the gospel and see people come to know Jesus, then disciple them, baptize them, teach them everything there is to know about Jesus. That's what we're supposed to do. That's the mission. And look, you know, I think we all know this. I think when I say this, you're going to be like, well, yeah, of course, obviously, Travis. What we've seen in our nation over the last several decades is that our, our nation ha- has gone increasingly more secularized, right? Like we used to have, you know, Christian morals. We're founded on Christian morals. We've kind of we've got, gotten way away from that, right? Like if, if we look at culture, if we examine where we are spiritually as a nation, we're not that anymore. We are, we are becoming more and more secularized. And when you study church growth, you see that the church has not kept up. The church has not kept up. Uh, numbers in the churches have, have slowly declined over the years. And, and what they say is, is that around 75% of church growth is really just church transfers. It's church transfers. People going from one church to another church. So you see all this really cool stuff. Man, look, look at these huge churches that we have in this nation. Man, they're growing leaps and bounds. We're seeing new churches started. But at an even faster rate, we're seeing churches close their doors. People are just jumping from one church to another. We're not really seeing new believers that often come to faith in Jesus. So the question is, how are we going to grow as, as the church at Haynes Creek? Because look, in a, in a county, in Newton County, like we've been talking about, that's 80% unchurched. If we're hoping to grow through church transfer, I'm just going to tell you right now, that's a bad idea. That's a bad call. That could, uh, 20% of people, and guess what? I don't know if you notice this, we don't have all the fancy bells and whistles of other churches that can draw people in, all right? We can't rely on that. And look, here's the deal. I don't think that's what God wants. I don't think that's the picture that we see in Scripture. When we see the church, when we see people getting connected to the church, we don't see them hopping around from church to church. We don't see them going, oh, you know what? I don't like this anymore. I'm not feeling this. I don't like the way that pastor preaches. I don't like their worship. I'm going to go find some place that's better for me. I mean, that's just a consumeristic mindset. That's not what we see in Scripture. That's not what we see. So I don't think that's the way the church is supposed to grow. I don't think that's a healthy way to grow as a church. So I see is we got two options. We got two options before us. One, we can just keep doing what we're doing. We can just keep doing what we've been doing for the last five years, and we can just, you know, stay complacent in this mindset, just hang out, keep hanging out every Sunday with one another. We'll keep doing the same thing. But here's the deal, just to let y'all know, if that's the plan we choose, there's an expiration date. Because like I said, we're, we're launching out on our own. All right, we're no longer coasting un- under the coattails of First Baptist anymore. All right? we, are, we are launching out on our own, and if we just stay stagnant and complacent, there's an end date coming for us. Now, I don't think that's what the Lord wants. I don't think that's why he's preserved this campus for the last five years. I don't think it's why he put in each one of your hearts to plant and start a new church. And that's not what I signed up for either. So I don't think that's where we're going, right? That's not what we want to do. Instead, what I think the Lord wants to do is that he wants us to grow by bringing the gospel to people who don't know Jesus. That's what he wants. That's what he wants to see. That's why he's brought us here. That's why we're starting this new church, is to see people who are far from God come near to God, who are lost in their sin, going straight to hell. If they were to die today, they'd be separated by God for all of eternity. He wants to see us go to those people and bring them to life to see them go from dead in their sins to alive in Jesus. That's what he's called us to. And I think that's what he wants to do through this church. So that's why I want us to be praying. Let's, let's beg the Lord. Let's seek the Lord. Lord, do what only you can do. The Lord is the only one who can save. That's his work. But here's the deal. He allows us to partner with him in that work.
He calls us to partner with him in that work. So what's our job? Our job is to reach out. Our job is to reach out wherever we are in your neighborhoods, in your workplace, in your community, wherever you find yourself. And look, from what I've, I've been able to gather, the, the Lord has all of us kind of spread out in various parts of this county and beyond. And I think that's a, that's a really cool thing because there's a lot of places that we can reach into these communities and call people to Jesus. So see, where, where does the Lord have me right here, right now? Who in my neighborhood, who at my job, who in my community do I need to share the gospel with this week? Who do I need to, to invite in to the church and introduce them to Jesus? Who has the Lord placed you around that needs to know Jesus? Who in your life right now doesn't have a church home? Look, what we've seen over the last two years is, is COVID has just displaced a ton of Christians. That They're just out there drifting, no longer connected to the body. Bring those people back. Call them back home. Bring them back to Jesus. We have this incredible opportunity before us. The Lord has put before us this vast mission field. And we don't have to go across the seas to reach unreached people groups. We have unreached people right here in our neighborhoods, right here in our community. And God has placed you where you are right now today to be a missionary to those people, to bring the gospel, the light of Jesus, the hope of Jesus to those people. That's the kind of church I want to be. That's the kind of growth that I want to see. I want to see the growth of the kingdom. I want to see what, what Jesus can do with a bunch of people, uh, you know, 30, 40 something people that say, you know what? I'm giving my life for the gospel. I'm going to sacrifice everything for Jesus. I'm going to reach out to those people around me with the hope of Jesus Christ. I want to see what the Lord can do with that because I think he can do big stuff. I think he can do incredible things. And all we got to do is say yes to that and walk in obedience to that. Amen. So church, that's what I'm praying for. That's my hope for this church. That's what I'm begging God to do, that he would stir up this fire within our souls that we have to go, we have to share, we have to call people to Jesus. That's what I'm hoping for. That's what I'm begging God for. And I hope that you'll come along with me in that. So here in Ephesians chapter 4, we see that Paul tells us a healthy church is one that works together, matures together, and builds together. And right now, as we start off, this is the fun stuff of church planning. This is the exciting stuff of church planning, is we have an opportunity right here, right now, today, to build this kind of church, to build a new and different church that's reaching out to the lost people around us, calling them to put their faith in Jesus. We have an opportunity to make an impact with the gospel right here, right now. So let's do that. Let's not be complacent. Let's not pass up this opportunity. And look, this is the beauty of the gospel. When Christ saves us, he calls us to a mission. He calls us to a purpose. If not, he would save us and bring us immediately to heaven, but he doesn't do that. He leaves us here on this earth for a purpose, and that purpose is going into wherever we are to make disciples, to love God, love people, and make disciples. He uses broken sinners like us. I mean, think about that for a second. Our holy, perfect, eternal God uses struggling, broken sinners like me and you to reach people in the name of Jesus Christ to see lost people come to faith in Jesus. And there's a place for all of us. 
no matter how broken, how sinful, how messed up we think we are, Jesus already knows that. He knows it more than we even know about ourselves. And he says, you know what? I still love you, and I'm still going to use you. So let's walk in obedience to that church. Let's be this kind of church. In a moment, I'm going to pray. The band's going to come back up, and, and we're going to conclude our time together. And, and as we've been doing the last couple of weeks, as we'll do every time we gather, we're going to take a moment to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Uh, so as I pray, believers in the room, this is for believers only. So you've put your faith in Jesus. This is the time for you. As I pray, as the band comes up, I'd encourage you to take a moment in your seats, prepare your heart. Maybe you spend some time in prayer. Maybe you spend some time repenting of sin, uh, doing whatever the Lord calls you to do. And as you feel ready, as you feel led, as you're ready, you can come to the tables on either side of the room. You can take the elements. You can bring them back to your seat and, and take them on your own again as you feel led. You can take them. We take, we take the bread that represents Jesus' broken body for us. Amen. We take the cup that represents his shed blood for our sins. Amen. And we worship Jesus. So again, as you feel led, you can go to either table. As you feel led, you take the elements. And then after we do that, Lord, as, as you finish and as you take the elements, let's, let's stand, let's worship, let's celebrate what Jesus has done for us. And again, this is a time that, that's just for believers. So if you're here and you haven't put your faith in Jesus, just know I, I love you and I'm, I'm so excited that you're here. I'm glad you're here. And, and I want you to know that Jesus loves you too. He sees all the mess of our lives. He sees all of our sin. He sees all of our brokenness. And he says, I still love you enough that I died on the cross for you. Amen. And he says, I, I want to welcome you into my family. I want to forgive you of your sins and set you free from that. Set you free from your searching, from your wondering. I want to set you free from that and, and see new life made. And to do that, all we have to do is to say yes to Jesus. That's all we got to do is say yes to Jesus. Say, yes, I put my faith in you, Lord. So if that's you today, you want to do that today, just all you got to do, there's no special thing you got to repeat and say. You just tell Jesus what you're thinking and feeling right now. You just say, Jesus, I love you. I know I'm a sinner. I know you can save me. You alone can save me. I'm putting my faith and my trust in you. And if that's you today, I would encourage you to come to the tables, enjoy your first communion as a follower of Jesus, and then come let us know so that we can be excited and celebrate with you. Let me pray, and we'll celebrate communion and continue in our worship. Jesus, I thank you for how good you are to us, Lord. Lord, we don't deserve that. In fact, we do everything to tell you that we, we don't deserve that. And yet, Jesus, you, you love us anyways. Romans 5.8 says, while we were still enemies of you, you died for us. So Lord, we thank you. We praise you for that. I thank you for your goodness and your grace and your mercy in our lives. Lord, I pray, Lord, I pray that you continue to build this church, Lord, that you would give this missional fire in each of us, that we would look with eyes uh, of you to see those around us, to see the hurting and the broken and the searching people, Lord, and that we would uh, love on them and that we would share the gospel with them and we would share the hope of you, Jesus. You're the only one who can save. You're the only one who can fulfill. You're the only one who can satisfy, Lord. So I pray that we would be a church made in your image, that we would be a healthy church. I pray that we would, we would work together, we would mature together, and we would build together, Lord. We ask all of this in your name. Amen.